Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> we are here to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ's fulfillment of his promise to us. And what a joyous scene it is to stand here and look out over this congregation and to see you all under the canopy of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that through the use of these helium-filled balloons that are simply our way of trying to recreate the image of what took place in that upper room, that we can feel that Spirit of God move within this place and come to each of us. And as the wind, as the Spirit of God courses through this place and those balloons sway from side to side to show that they are a living representation of the joyous Spirit of God coming to us that we might be filled with that Holy Spirit. That wonderful account that St. Luke just gave us that Peter read for us of what took place in the upper room. We have reproduced in here this morning and that's not something new. It's something that we reproduce every Sunday in this place. When Jesus rose from the dead to prove that everything that he had declared during the three years of his public life had the authority of God stamped upon it and was in reality the truth that we all can live into and with that truth we can be free and we can be bold in sharing that gospel with others. God gives that uh, to us. And so Jesus told the apostles, my work here on the earth is, com is complete. I've even stayed here these extra 40 days after my resurrection to conduct a little class in remedial Christianity because some of you didn't get it too well the first time so that I can instill it in you a little deeper. But that's only for a review. Because after I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, he said. And when the Spirit comes, if you will open your hearts to him and receive him, he will give you the power to live in to what I have promised you and what I have told you about. And you can be the embodiment of the gospel. You can live that gospel yourself. And so they dutifully went back to that upper room in Jerusalem that place where for the three years of Jesus' public life, he would meet with his apostles and others who had come to follow him, and he dutifully celebrated the great Passover meal uh, every year in that place in Jerusalem. As he was looking back to that salvation that God instilled in Moses that he brought to the people of Israel to free them from bondage to the Egyptians and then gave them this new land on which they could develop and grow into a great and powerful nation, which they did. And now Jesus was taking all of these things that were so deeply instilled in the life of all the Jewish people 
and showing them how he was going to bring it to reality. That all of those things that were part of the glorious history of Israel were simply a dress rehearsal for what was going to happen when God would pour forth that spirit that he promised. And that spirit that was the opening words of John the Baptist when he suddenly appeared out of nowhere in the desert preaching with the authority of a prophet and preaching a message that was so bold that it called people out of the villages and the people who were walking down the trade routes from the northern part of Israel on their, journey, on their pilgrimages to the temple would hear him preaching in the desert and would go out and listen to him. And they all wanted to know, are you the Messiah? Are you the long-awaited Messiah for us? And he declared it, I am not the Messiah. I only come to prepare you for the Messiah. I come to baptize you, to wash you, to purify you with water. I give you a baptism of purification. But when the Messiah comes, who is so superior to me, I'm not even worthy to loosen uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the sandals that he wears, he will baptize you with fire, the theophany of God and the Holy Spirit. He will give you the baptism of spirit. I baptize for purification. He will baptize for proclamation to give you the power to go out and declare that God is faithful to his promise to us and that if we accept all who turn their hearts to him and accept him have the assurance of salvation. That's what we celebrate today. And as they dutifully went back to the upper room and sat there uh, and knelt there and stood there and danced there in the spirit of God praying and singing, that's the way we begin every service here. We come in together, in fellowship, all together. And we spend time in prayer to put us into the presence of God. And in beautiful song and hymnody that lifts us above the constraints of this world and puts us into the presence of God as we wait for his word to come. And today we celebrate that coming as the Holy Spirit comes. And that's what we are here for this day. And this is the time-honored celebration of the birthday of the church. And I want you to recognize the purity of what that means. Because all too often, we think a church, we think of a church in terms of a denomination. Or that we think of church in terms of a physical building. And we talk about that building as being the church. Or a cathedral in Europe that took generations to build a beautiful work of art and a great gift to God as the church. Those are not the church. There's the church. You are the church. It's the people of God who are the church. And God went to great extremes to make us realize what an important concept that was. For over 350 years, the Christian church never had a building. There never was a church building. It was wherever the people of God met. Sometime they met in the catacombs of Rome for fear of being arrested. 
sometime as they still do in Ethiopia uh, and in uh, Africa and in China, they meet in private homes because they're not allowed to have a church. They're not even allowed to legally exist, but they exist. Just like when the Soviet Union decided that they were going to declare God is dead and destroy and close all of the churches or turn them into museums and outlaw the church and not allow Christianity to be taught, they thought they had obliterated Christianity from Soviet Russia. For 70 years they kept control, no churches, no meetings. And when the wall fell and the Iron Curtain was dissipated, Christians suddenly came out of the woodwork and they were surprised to find out where they came from. And there were people from, place, from positions of authority in the atheistic Soviet government who secretly were Christians. Gorbachev got the surprise of his life when his own mother told him that he had been baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church when he was an infant. And even though he was the president of the Soviet Union, he himself had been dedicated to Jesus Christ as a young age. And that, that baptism, that grace that he had received, had not been lost. But he, he had been protected, and he had risen to a place of great authority and the church is now strong again in Soviet Russia. They will probably end up making the same mistakes they made before, and they'll probably put the church into bad conditions as was done before, but at least we have an opportunity to really receive the Holy Spirit and recreate the face of the earth and get it right this time and put our priorities correct and follow the teaching of God on how we live and not what we just say we believe in or where we go or how we dress or different things that we do but who we are because the Spirit of God wants our hearts and wants us to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's our birthday today. It's your birthday and my birthday as Christians. And as we do on all birthdays, we look forward to the gifts that we are going to receive. And what we celebrate on this feast of Pentecost is at least three gifts that the Holy Spirit brings to us and places before us. First of them is the gift of reality of who we are as Christians and what promises God has made to us. One of the first and most dramatic things that we see in that account of the upper room on that first Pentecost was how it changed that group of people. 120 people, chapter 1 of Acts tells us, were gathered there beside the apostles, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, many others who had followed Jesus and always flocked around him when he came to Jerusalem. They were all there. 
to celebrate. And they were there to receive that uh, spirit of God. And they were there to be uh, uh, received uh, by God, uh, to receive from God the gift that he brought to him. The first gift that we see Peter using is the gift of bravery, putting away the fears that so often paralyze us from living the Christianity, the fear of inadequacy that we all feel. One of the greatest tools that Satan has in his, honor, in his arsenal to defeat the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make you think that you are inadequate to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're breathing, you're adequate because God doesn't ask for ability. He asks for availability. And if you make yourself available to the Spirit of God, then Jesus tells us he will fill in what we lack and he will give us the grace that we need to witness to the gospel. And that's what transformed Peter and allowed him to open the windows, open the doors, and to go out and to preach the gospel in a very in-your-face way to the people who had gathered there uh, in Jerusalem. And he calls us to do the same thing. St. Paul says, God has not given you a spirit of temerity or a spirit of fear, but a spirit of bravery and a spirit of grace. And that's the, the gift that we have that the Spirit brings us. And he gives us that ability to not fear. Sociologists tell us that 90% of the things that most people live in fear in most during their life and afraid are going to happen to them, 90% of the things that they fear never happen. But because of the fear of those things, they are kept from reaching out and developing themselves as, as they need to be and living in a sense of inadequacy. You are not inadequate. God has infused in you through the Holy Spirit the ability to share, and that's what we're all called to, to live into that bravery that God gives us, to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to let us share the gospel with others. That's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to you to transform your life. The other gift that he brings to us is a gift of fellowship. The, the, the Christian people were there together in the upper room. It says they were all there together in harmony, one with another. They were all there in the spirit of unity, living out that prayer that Jesus had prayed at the Last Supper. Father, that we all may be one as I and you are one, that they may be one with us, that the world may know that you have sent me that spirit of fellowship that we are called into. The book of Genesis starts out by telling us after God has created, it is not good for man to be alone. We are by our very nature social beings and we crave the, uh, we, we, we crave the fellowship of other people. And that's what we are called to be in. We are a people who are called to share with one another. No one ever has an excuse to be alone. Doesn't make any difference if you're single, if you're divorced, if you're widowed. We are all called to a life of a community. That's what the people of God is. It's a community of people joined together and unified by the Spirit of God. 
And that's what we are called to be. The Spirit comes to us as a wind that blows. We are living, breathing human beings. And what we need to do sometimes is to just stop and take in that wonderful air that God gives us. Fill our lungs with that fresh, renewing air that comes in, with that Spirit of God that builds up within us. Too many of us safe suffer from a spiritual COPD where we don't think that we have that breath of God that comes to us. And we need to do that. Uh, healthcare workers tell us that one of the best things you can do for yourself when you wake up in the morning is to start breathing deeply and to fill your lungs with the air that is around you. And that's what the Holy Spirit invites you to do. Breathe in that breath of God. Let it permeate your body. Let it fill you with its presence and with its grace because that's the third gift that he brings to us, the gift of realizing that every day that we have is a gift that God gives us. You have no right to expect tomorrow or the day after that. Be thankful for this day that you have and live this day with that Spirit of God that he calls upon, uh, that we call upon to come and to fill us uh, that we might reach out uh, and share with one another. God should be the first thing on your mind when you, when you wake up in the morning. I used to uh, have a weekly prayer uh, uh, gathering with a group of people who worked at an outreach unit that we had up in um, uh, Orangeburg County where we would give out food once a week and clothing to a lot of the needy people in that area. And before we opened up the business uh, to do these ministries for people, we had a time of prayer. And there was a wonderful old gentleman in there, a black gentleman uh, who had worked three jobs all of his life uh, and farmed 40 acres and sent seven of his children to college by working hard and giving them an opportunity in this world. And he was known in the community as Uncle Pete. And Uncle Pete, when it came time for him to prayer, would say, Oh, God, I just thank you for letting me wake up this morning in my right mind. <laughs> what a wonderful prayer that is. Lord, thank you for giving us that, for waking up in our, in, in our right mind this morning, in a mind that's filled with the Word of God, in a mind that anchors us into the plan of God for us. And let us live out that day. You need to start each day with a good devotion that will put you in the presence of God and start out that entire day so that you can open yourself up to the Spirit of God. That's what we celebrate today. Not an historical feast that is long past and forgotten, but a reality that renews itself every year. Open yourself up to that and allow the Lord to function with you. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear church, happy birthday to you.